Amen. How is everybody doing today? There we go. So you're not that much taller than me. I don't know, man. I'm a little bit taller. <laughs> Just a little. Just a little. I'm certainly glad to be here today. Can you do me a favor and give God a hand clap of praise? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give a disclaimer really quick. That disclaimer is, is that y'all know I'm a Baptist preacher first off, right? And we see people, so we preach. Y'all will catch that later. You'll, trust me, you'll catch it later. Um, I am uh, just uh, excited about being here in your presence today. Um, I want to, first of all, thank you guys for being so kind to... Uh, have me come, amen. Let's give it up for this pastor and his wife. They are wonderful people, amen. It's always, it's always wonderful to thank God for the leadership that he gives you. <laughs> well, that's okay. I'll make sure when you come down, we work you really hard, amen. So we thank God for that. I promise not to hold you long, so somebody in the back, when I've gone too long, give me the hey sign. I wear glasses and I can't see your clock, so hey. It'll be all day. Um, I want to thank God for this opportunity. Uh, thank God for some people that are familiar to me that um, I recognize through coming up. Jan Cragness, amen. She's on campus on mission. Dan and, and Jan's brother and sister-in-law. Um, well, I don't have a lot of preliminary. I just like to preach and get it, you know. Uh, I believe it was Cher. She's had a lot of husbands. So I'll tell you like this. Um, I'll... I'll hold you just as long as she held those husbands, okay? Not long at all. Um, Matthew, the 28th chapter. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Well, let's do the, let's do, let's do 25 first. Let's do Matthew 25 and... 45, and then we'll go 28, 16 through 20. So while you're finding Matthew 25 and 45, there's a song that's on my heart. Um, I think Dad, you told him to stay back there by the volume monitor so he doesn't, you know, I don't blow out the speakers, okay? I'll go. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, if the Lord wants somebody, here am I. Is there anybody that feels like that? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. If the Lord wants somebody. Here am I, oh Lord, sin 
I may be blind, but I'll go. May be blind, I'll go. If the Lord, yeah, 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 want somebody, here am I. Oh, Lord, send me. Then, Matthew 25, 45, then, Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not unto me. We'll go to Matthew 28. 16 through 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 18 says, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of age. God, we come this moment asking that you would hold your preacher, that I might say something, that some man, woman, boy, or girl will see it, they will hear you. Uh, through the words, and they will say, what must I do to either be saved or to become your son, become your daughter? Uh, What must I do to even make my relationship with you stronger? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, and thank God. Amen. Uh, Shortly, briefly, I want to talk to you about what I call the least of them. And uh, true Baptist preachers, they never just give you one topic to their sermon. They always have to, because somewhere along the line we stray when we're talking because God is so good, so we just don't stay on one topic so that we don't seem like we've lost you. We'll give you two, and if I was going to uh, give a subtopic, as my grandfather and him used to do in church, and I would say a church on mission. Um, my brothers and my sisters, we are living in a world today where uh, the Bible is being made true day in and day out. The Bible says that we're living in a perilous time where men have become lovers of themselves, mothers against daughters, fathers against sons, and the love of many has waxed cold. That is such a true statement because the world we live in, we have the me, myself, and I syndrome. Anybody ever experienced the me, myself, and I syndrome? Well, you don't have to be honest because I'm looking at you, and once or twice you've done it. It's okay. God forgives us. We all move on. Um, I am excited because... I have just, in 34 years of living, uh, since I was about 19, I've been doing this gospel thing really hard. You hit it hard, and you live in it. I've discovered that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us 
out of them all. Well, Pastor Kirchner, what does that mean? That means we've all come across some hardship in our life. We've all had some issues in our lives. But the God we serve is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above whatever we ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Not you yourself, because it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit, saith the Lord. And so when I begin to think about this particular uh, two chapters of Scripture, two uh, books of Scripture, I begin to think about the church and the people we serve. Or, for lack of a better, the church and the people we should serve. Um, Jesus here in Matthew, the uh, 25th chapter, he begins to talk about um, what he calls a gospel truth and what I like to call a hard saying of Jesus. A lot of us, we like to think that Jesus is always nice and God is always so kind and so loving, but is there anybody in here who has ever felt the wrath of Jesus? You've never felt the wrath of Jesus? Well, keep on living. You're bound to do something to make him tap that behind a time or two. You're, time, you're bound to do something that God won't be pleased with, and he'll have to get after you. For the scripture says he chastened those whom he loved. So every now and then, he's got to spank that bottom a little bit to keep us in line. Um, he begins to talk about the kingdom of heaven being like an, uh, goats and sheep. Check this out. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. I wonder how many sheep we have in the house today. Amen. Now, if you don't say anything, I have to take it that you're not a sheep and you're a goat. <laughs> so the sheep hear God's voice, and they do what he says. He says, it is better to obey than to what? Sacrifice. And so if you're a sheep, you'll be found obeying. But if you're a goat, you sacrifice a lot, meaning God will put his hand on you and you'll lose a bunch of everything and your world will be turned upside down and things will happen to you. I want to talk about um, the first thing I saw in these two texts as I put them together. I want to talk about uh, if you're writing, if you're like me, I have some people at my church, they like to write down because their pastor is so smart. Um, believers are called by Jesus. Check this out. Your mother can't call you. She named you. But before she gave you the name, Jesus had already put it in her heart what to call you. So your, your, your mama can't call you. Your daddy can't call you. If you are somebody that says, I'm going to be a witness for Christ. I'm going to be a child of God. I have been called by Christ. For the scripture says, many are called, but few are chosen. Now check this out. I know we'll get some people looking at me like, I don't quite understand that. How that. God calls us all to be ministers. He calls us all to be workers in his kingdom. But he picks out a few of us to lead the kingdom. Check this out. I know you're going to say, God may call you to sing. He may call you to serve. He may call you to stand at the door. And he may call Dwayne to pass. The difference is he knows us. He gauges us by our willingness to serve him. So he knows that you would rather sing than stand on the door. So he doesn't call you to stand on the door. So this, this is what, so we're all called, check this out, in John 5, John 15 and 16, King James, he says, ye have not been chosen, oh, he says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that, 
Whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We did not choose ourselves. Can we be honest really quick? Can we be honest really quick? Some of us would not have chosen for real, for real, for real to walk with Christ. Because in this walk, it has not always been peaceful. No, nobody will say anything to me. Well, if I was at my church, I'd say, somebody say something to me. If you don't say amen, say ouch. But if you say ouch, the person next to you will know you've not been living right. Um, so on this journey with Christ, it's not a bed of roses all the time. But then, but then the Bible says he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Speaks about coming when you need him the most. The, the reality is, is that even though I haven't had good days in Christ, even though I've always had some ups and downs, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Even though sometimes I can't see my way out and I don't know what I've just walked into, I know that he says, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you even until the end of the world. And that makes it so much better to deal with this Christian walk because I know I'm not walking alone. And I know that the truth of the matter is, Barnicio wouldn't have called himself to do this. I wouldn't have called myself to be on the forefront for other people because at a time or two, I wondered who was going to have my back. Who was going to look out for me? But Jesus has declared that he's given us power and authority. Now, listen to this. If you, you'll, know, you'll know if you're the cause of Christ. And I'm not talking about to preach the gospel. I'm talking about to just do his will. I'm talking about just to be the Christian because he's going to always be with you. He's going to walk with you. He's going to talk with you. He's going to keep you. He's going to hold on to you. He's going to be that company keeper that you need. When all hell has broken loose in your life, he's going to be right there. So then when friends and family walk away, he's standing right there. He said, hey, listen, hey, don't forget about me. I'm right here. It doesn't matter who leaves you. It doesn't matter who walks away from you. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. I called you, so I got you back. And I wonder, is there anybody who has ever been in a situation in their life and you didn't fret, you didn't freak out, you didn't trip because you knew God had you back? Well, check this out. Check this out. Matthew 9 37 through 38 says, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his vineyard. Now here's where I have to stop and not be so funny and not be so attention grabber because here is the portion of scripture where uh, you have to get real, real with people because God did not save you he did not set you apart just to come to Doorsville and sit here in those seats. If you clap your hands, I'll, I'll feel like I'm saying something. God did not save you just to sit in that blue seat and put your money in that pot and then roll on and go home. That, I feel like I'm in East St. Louis now. God, God, did not, God did not wake you this morning so that you can check your email so that you can check your bank account and then sit here for a couple of hours and then go back home. No, he saved you that you could tell somebody else that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He saved you not unto your own righteousness, but that you could show somebody else his righteousness. He said this. He said, let your good works, let him show that men, women, boys, and girls will see it and glorify the Father. I've got a question real quick. How much work are you doing that the God of your salvation will be glorified? Not just by you patting your hands and stumping your feet, by somebody saying, hey, I've seen her life. I want to come to Christ. Amen. 
When I was down and out, she spoke something that was so tough to me. She said, Jesus cares. How many, how many people actually witness? How many people actually open their mouths and say stuff? Well, good. Guess what? I see a few, so I'm just going to talk to the people back there in the corner. Hey, you got to say something. You got to tell somebody that there was a reality in serving a true and the living God. Isn't it going to be really weird to have talked about or heard about heaven and then you get there to think you're going to be the only one in there? Well, if you don't say anything to anybody, you might be the only one in there. You got to say something. When the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, you got to say something. He said, he said, he said, the laborers are few, but the labor is plenteous. I love that because this gives me an opportunity to ask the question, who's on the Lord's side? Who's really working for the master? How do I work for the master? Maybe some of you are here today and you have something on the inside of you. You want to work for the master, but you don't feel like you are adequate enough. Maybe there's an inadequacy on the inside of you and you feel like you can't work. But can I just tell you, nobody that is truly, 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 for real, for real, working for the Lord was a good guy, was a good woman. Because good people... Usually don't get people to listen to them because the first thing you think is what? This do-gooder is going to get on my nerves. I don't want to hear anything she got to say. But then if I come to you and tell you I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He shined a little light from heaven on my soul. They said, I was a liar. I was a cheater. I was a... If you had those stories to tell somebody, somebody would say, you know what? I can identify with her because she's real. He's real. And I want to serve that same Jesus that changed her life. As a matter of fact, they'll know you've been changed because they hang around you. They work with you. They're in your family. And they see the difference in your life. And so if people can see the difference, it's easy for you to talk about the difference. So Jesus said this. Pray. He said, he said I've got a lot of work to be done. But I don't have a lot of people doing the work. And I want to just submit to you today here, do the work. Do the work. Because this is beautiful. This is wonderful. But you can't do the work inside of this. You, you, you come here to gain strength for the work outside that door, outside that door. So that when you leave this place, you know to tell somebody, hey, you ought to seek Christ. So then God calls us not to ourselves, but he calls us for the lost man, the lost boy, the lost woman, the lost girl. I wonder, have you ever had an experience with somebody that's lost? Have you ever, ever actually took the time to tell somebody that was lost that Jesus saved? Hey, listen, it may not look good right now. You may not feel good right now, but if you give your life to Christ, I don't know, maybe if somebody will just be honest with me for a minute. I've had some hard days in my life, and when I started thinking about the difference that Jesus made, things just got better. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't able to pay the bill, but I'm just, I'm just satisfied in the fact that he's not going to let it get cut off. You know, because if I'm his and he's mine, he's going to look out for me. I, I tell, I've been able to tell people, listen, I've been hungry, he'll feed you. I, hey, listen, I drove, I drove a car sometime, and the light was on, and after so long, man, the light is still, boop, 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 boop. I'm, I'm making it to church. You have, you, we have to have a story to tell. There's a song that says, I'm a living testimony. I could have been dead and gone, but God, you let me live on. All you really have to tell somebody is, is that God is the giver of life. 
and then that he changes lives. And so listen to me. You might feel like because you're not the preacher, you don't have a story to tell because you're not a leader in the youth group or you're not a leader in the church where you get a class to tell. But God has done something for every last one of us. He's done something. Think about it. You know, we're private people, so we don't like to tell all of our business to people. So since I'm going back to East St. Louis, and if I say something that you agree with, that you've had an experience in your life, even if you just put your finger up a little bit or just clap or nod your head, you'll let me know I'm in the right place, right? Sometimes we've been down and out. We've been depressed. We've been hungry. We've been, we've been just flipping. Our kids haven't been good. We've got stuff in our family. We've got stuff on the job. We've even had experiences in the church that would make us crazy. We, you know, we've had stuff that in our family that if we didn't know God, we'd go to the cabinet for all you hunters. You pull the rifle down. You just take care of business. But the grace of God is sufficient enough that he came through for you. And then you stood up and said, listen, I'm telling you, God is a provider. God is a way maker. God won't leave you like he found you. And the truth of the matter is he will not leave you how he found you. The old song says, the potter wants to put you back together again. In case you've fallen by the wayside of life, your dreams and vision shattered. You are broken inside. You don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. The potter wants to put you back together again. And if that's all you can tell somebody, tell them, for God's sake, that Jesus saves to the utmost. John, I'm almost done too. John, chapter 4. 36, and remember, I'm a Baptist preacher, so we say it two or three times before we're actually done. <laughs> and he that reapeth receiveth wage and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. But both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye sow no labor. Other men labor, and ye are entered into the labors. Can we be honest real quick? And I'm moving to my next point. Some of us are living in houses that we didn't build. We eat from fields that we didn't till. We live lives that you know when you were coming up, you never thought you would live. Be honest with yourself. You are living in such a way now that it even shocks you. No, yep, I see the man in the back going, yep, you're right, son, you're right. We are living in ways and houses because when we grew up, we didn't think we'd be where we are today. You live good now, but the truth of the matter is when you were growing up, maybe you didn't live as good as you're living now. So then God bestowed favor on you so that now that you haven't experienced him, you've experienced him to the point where he's taking care of you. So now you're able to reach back. The Bible says once you've been strengthened, reach back. Strengthen your brother. I'm setting you up for something in my clothes. Trust me, I'm setting you up for something in my clothes. He says, you have things that you didn't earn. Well, let's talk about these spiritual things that you have that you didn't earn. You know you don't deserve grace. You know you don't deserve mercy. You've not always been right. You've not always been a child of God. You've not always went to Bible study, BTU, Sunday school. You were dancing on the floor. You know, you, you had a life before Christ. But grace kept you till you got smart enough to get a clue. 
something kept you till you got smart enough to say, wait a minute, look, this did feel good to me. It doesn't feel good to me now. Can I tell you this? And I'm moving to my second point. Can I tell you there is somebody waiting for you to witness to them? Somebody is waiting for that encounter. You know what they're saying? I'm going to keep living like this to the Lord and the right person by to say something to me. Or they're saying, where is that Christian when I need him? Where is she when I need her to speak something to me that will stop me from living the way I'm living? All of us have an assignment because we're called by God. I know you cook in the kitchen. Um, I was pretty, 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 I was pretty excited about, uh, where is he? I don't see him. He's probably watching the door. The guy that set up the chairs. I was like, I sat here and I was like, my goodness, he's going to put out 400 some odd chairs by himself. He's going to, that's a service to God. But the thing that did not register me until I got back to the hotel room, when I was talking to him, he sounded like he had all joy. He was like, he was just like, yeah, man, I do it. And he was showing me the spots in the floors where he, he knows it by heart. And I was like, you know, you got to love God. I don't care what they're paying you. You still got to love God. You, you know, you got to love God. You know, you got to love God to remember where the heel of the chair sits on a floor and you can do this without thinking. I sat here and I thought to myself, if all of us, if all of us had just a smidget, like my grandmother would say, a smidget of joy about winning a soul for Christ, being a part of a church that's on mission, telling a dying world that there's a reality in serving a true and the living God. If all of us just got some kind of joy out of working for the master, this place, you would actually have to have two services, Pastor. If we just talk to the people that live next door to us, not snap at them when they come because they're not like you or because, you know, because, you know, if you can get your neighbor to come to church, I believe you're saved. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't care where you live. Uh, Jan, if you can get your neighbor to come to church with you, you're saved because the neighbor knows all your business. I don't care how holy the people at church, because they might live miles away from you. I don't care how holy they think you are, but the neighbor knows the truth. She sees who comes in and out. All right, I'm sorry. I'm not at home. I'm not at home. I won't go there. Uh, The reality is, is we have not been saved for that nice blue chair you're sitting in. But you have been set apart to do a work for the ministry, to do a work for Christ. The second thing I saw in the text is, because I know a lot of us feel like we're inadequate. A lot of us feel like, you know, hey, I'm just going to get my salvation. I'm going to keep it to myself. Hey, I'm doing good to be saved. I don't have anything to give to anybody else. But the reality is God has given you power to witness. God has given you power to be a missionary. God has given you power to be on missions. Check this out. Luke 9 and 1 Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure disease. You know, when I read that, you know what I get? I get, and you should do even greater works than I did. And you, how many people are older than 33 in the room? And if you're older, guess what? So by now, you should have done the kind of stuff that Jesus did. Past 33, you should be doing greater works. Check it out. You don't believe me? Well, let me tell you. See, at 33, he died. Right? 
and now he's doing spiritual works. But you're doing physical works because you are still alive. So he was cut off at 33, and now you're 43. You're 53. You're 63. You should be touching the lives of people that you encounter. Why? Because God has given you power to do greater works. He's given you power to touch the lives of people in your community, touch the lives of people outside your community. Let me tell you something. There's a little Greek word that we use for power called deutimus. It's called deutimus. And when you look at the translation, it's called dynamite. Now, I don't know any miners in here. Anybody work for miners? Like, um, I heard the story of uh, Dan here, how he was saying he got blew up. I mean, like, the dynamite is, like, powerful. I mean, like, it, it will tear down the, the, the sturdiest of structures. It will tear down. And that's what Jesus is saying. I've given you power to tear down the wall of separation, the wall of petition between you and sinners. I've given you power to walk up on somebody and say, hey, listen, Jesus loves you. Let me tell you what I do in East St. Louis. I don't care what you're doing. I could be driving down the street and there's a group of men in the car, and they can look real scary. They can look real tough. I pull over with my nice, tough self. I get out, Jen. I suck my stomach in so my chest can stick out a little further, you know, and I walk up to him and I say, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And, you know, one guy in the bunch might know me. He said, my Lord, here goes that preacher. Here this preacher's about to tell me. And I mean, I back him in corners. I back, because I'm not scared because I got power. I've got power to do what God has commanded me to do, and that's to win souls for him. So I back him in the corner. I said, hey, listen, man, I haven't seen you in church. I don't go to church. Well, you're going to go to church today. They said, Pastor, I ain't coming to church today. You're going to go to church. And just, I don't stop. If I see you in the grocery store and I remember you from the street, I get you in the grocery store. If I see you back in the street, I get you in the street. I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like a, a, a leech. I'm on you. I mean, I'm on you because I don't want anybody to be lost. And God has given me power to command that men come to him. And so I'm on you. I'm on you. I'm on you. My wife says to me all the time, she says, Barnicio, leave the people alone. Give them a break. I ain't, we don't have time for breaks. We don't know when the Son of Man is going to return. We don't know when he's coming again in all of his glory to receive us. We don't know when he's going to crack the sky. I do not want it to be said too late that I had the opportunity to tell somebody about Christ, and I didn't. So then Jesus has given me power to tell somebody about him. And uh, I want to say to you today that even if you feel like you are not worthy enough, and you feel like you just made salvation, you feel like you, you just did meet the cut to be a child of God, then there's somebody who feels just a little bit worse than you. And just like you feel like you just missed the cutoff line, they feel like they've missed the cutoff line. And then what you're supposed to do is go to them and tell them this. Now, this is the last thing I want to talk about when it comes to being churches on mission. You have got to be a witness. God's not coming back down here until he's ready to get us. Right? So you, you won't see him spit in the dirt and make blind men see again. Because some of us are waiting for that kind of stuff. And, oh, man, I need to see it for myself. Doubting Thomas, you've read about it. The Bible says, blessed is he that hears and believes and has to see and believe. I believe everything I read in the Bible. Everything I read, I believe it. And the stuff I see and read, I really believe it. I mean, you can't tell me nothing else about it. Jesus said it, I'm done. I believe he did it. But a man told me one day, you can't believe any of that stuff. I know you can't believe it. I believe it all. 
I'm a believer, so I'm supposed to believe everything in here. So here it is. God has given you power, authority. He's called you to be a witness. Now, I want to say this to you, and I don't want to offend anybody, but being a witness is not patting somebody on the back, dropping a dollar in the bucket. You witness with your mouth. You witness with your heart. You have to love on people. You have to. So then, so then, after being a witness, how do I witness? Jesus then goes over in Matthew. He says, when I was hungry, you fed me not. When I was naked, you clothed me not. When I was a stranger, you didn't make me welcome. When I was in prison, you didn't come visit me. That blew my mind, and I'm done. I promise you I'm done. That blew my mind because just like the disciples growing up, I said, when, Master, did I see you hungry? When did I see you naked? When did I see you out? He answered resoundingly. He says, what you've done to the least of them, or for a lack of a better term, what you have not done for or to the least of them, you've done it unto me. Wouldn't it be crazy, wouldn't it be weird for us to be in church 20, 30 years and then get before the Lord and he says, depart from me. I know you not, you worker of iniquity. Now that's going to stick with somebody more than anything else I said. To be in the kingdom of God all of your life and he tells you, you never did anything I asked you to do. You never did anything I asked you to do. I made it plain to you that they're going to be the poor you're going to have with you always. The poor you're going to have with you always. And so even if you don't open up your bunker and let them live in your bunker, give them a blanket. We had a man to die on the side of a grocery store in our community because he, had no, he froze to death. Think of the rage that, that I had at that moment because I'm begging people to help me help our people. The funny thing is, I want to say this, and Jan knows, and anybody knows, knows, I'm not a racist by a long shot. I've got white people living in my church. They're homeless. I've got black people living in my church. They're homeless. Sin does not care what color you are. Yeah. That's a good point to clap. The enemy does not care. The devil does not care where you came from. He doesn't care that your mama was a doctor, your daddy was a lawyer. He doesn't care anything about that. The Bible says he will fool the very elect if he can. All of you smart people, I can, I, I'm looking at a couple of people that are through the passing and I can just tell they're smart. If you're not smart enough to watch out for the enemy, he'll trick you. He will trick you. He'll get you caught up in your own personal life and you'll forget about the things of Christ. So in my community, the man died. I got people living in the room. And I say to people all the time, what if it were you? What if it were you? What if it was your daughter? Jan has been there on a couple of occasions. And uh, we have rooms where the people live. And uh, you can just see the power of God all over her life when she comes because she can't. Now, I do what I can. But then she comes and she sees. And then she comes back the next day. And I don't know where she's gotten the things from for the people. She's got bed. She's got crates. She's got food. She's got clothes. Why? Because we understand that Christianity is not about ourselves. 
It's about what Jesus said. What you do to the least of them, you've done it unto me. And wouldn't it be strange for Jesus to appear to you in the face and the form of the man that asked you for a dollar for something to eat and you didn't have time for him? When we were growing up, they used to tell us, beware of strangers. They may be angels that you're in attendance of unaware. I used to think, Pastor, my mother is tripping, okay? There are no angels walking around here. There's nobody. But guess what? You're God's angel. You're God's child. You have to be careful of how we treat people. So I want to leave this to you today on record. There might be somebody here that says, you know, I've really been thinking about how do I fit in the kingdom. I've really been thinking about what can I do outside of going to Sunday school? What can I do outside of putting my money in the bucket? What can I do outside of sweeping up the church? What can I do? I said, you can go into the uttermost parts of the world and you can show the love of Christ to people. I tell people all the time that it takes nothing. It takes nothing to make a sandwich and go to the local. Kids can believe this or not, I'm sure you all have hungry people here. You have homeless people here. I was riding on the bus and the man said something about the unemployment rate here is kind of bad too. Guess what? It's across the board. There are people who are looking for more than a handout. They're looking for somebody to love on them. And can I tell you the Bible says, he who wins souls must be wise. With love and kindness have I drawn thee. If you have the love of God, you ought to be drawing people because signs and wonders follow them that believe. And I believe that God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above whatever we ask or think. Think about it. Think about when you were lost in sin and you didn't know Christ. Think about what it would have been if a man or a woman, your pastor, your mama's pastor, your grandmother, you didn't see somebody exemplify Christ. Think about where you would be right now. I mean, no, really, think about it. Let your mind go back and wonder where you would be if Christ hadn't entered your life. If he hadn't made things brand new for you. If he hadn't touched you with his finger of love, if he hadn't changed your mind, where would you be? God's not going to come back down until he's ready to receive us. He's going to use you. But you've got to be willing to be used. He's not going to talk to me in a loud voice. He's going to speak to my spirit. But he's going to use your hands. He's going to use your voice to draw somebody back to him. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you that we have not always kept your word, but you've always kept yours. I thank you that we've not always done what you've asked us to do, but you've always done what we've asked you to do. And we thank you for being gracious to us. We thank you for being kind to us. Master, thank you that we're going to be a church on mission for you. We're going to tell a dying world that there is a reality in serving a true and a living God. We're going to thank you that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power that we're going to. We thank you, God, that we know that no good thing you're going to withhold from those that love you. But God, what we pray for, we pray to be a living sanctuary. We pray to be pure and holy, tried and true. And with thanksgiving, God, we'll be a living testimony for you. We'll tell some man, some woman, some boy or girl that you are the risen king. So, God, we say hallelujah to the Lamb of God that was slain for us. We pray now, God, in this room as I take my seat, there might be some woman, some boy, some girl, some man, some couple, God, that you laid on their heart to do more for you.
We pray that you would bless their desire to be willing vessels to be used by you. Then, God, we pray that you would touch them and you would give them courage to move forward. That they might share the love of Christ and the light of Christ throughout this community and those to follow. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray for this church, God. I want to thank you that you've given this church a heart of mission. I want to thank you for this leader and his wife and all of these leaders that make up your kingdom, God, at Dorisville. We thank you that you've blessed them, God. We pray that you would add to this service, you would add to this body of Christ, that they might be able to do more for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and thank God.